0: Chapter 15 of Riders of the Purple Sage. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Laurie Ann Walden. Riders of the Purple Sage by Zane Gray. Chapter 15 Shadows on the Sage Slope. In the cloudy, threatening, waning summer days, shadows lengthen down the sage slope and jane withersteen likened them to the shadows gathering and closing in around her life mrs larkin died and little Fay was left an orphan with no known relative jane's love redoubled it was the saving brightness of a darkening hour Fay turned now to jane in childish worship and jane at last found full expression for the mother longing in her heart upon lassiter too mrs larkin's death had some subtle reaction before, he had often, without explanation, advised Jane to send Fay back to any Gentile family that would take her in. Passionately, and reproachfully, and wonderingly, Jane had refused even to entertain such an idea. And now Lassiter never advised it again, grew sadder and quieter in his contemplation of the child, and infinitely more gentle and loving. Sometimes Jane had a cold, inexplicable sensation of dread when she saw Lassiter watching Fay. What did the writer see in the future? Why did he, day by day, grow more silent, calmer, cooler, yet sadder in prophetic assurance of something to be? No doubt, Jane thought, the writer, in his almost superhuman power of foresight, saw behind the horizon the dark, lengthening shadows that were soon to crowd in gloom over him and her and little Fay. Jane Withersteen awaited the long-deferred breaking of the storm with a courage and embittered calm that had come to her in her extremity. Hope had not died. Doubt and fear, subservient to her will, no longer gave her sleepless nights and tortured days. Love remained. All that she had loved she now loved the more. She seemed to feel that she was defiantly flinging the wealth of her love in the face of misfortune and of hate. No day passed, but she prayed for all and most fervently for her enemies it troubled her that she had lost or had never gained the whole control of her mind in some measure reason and wisdom and decision were locked in a chamber of her brain awaiting a key power to think of some things was taken from her meanwhile abiding a day of judgment she fought ceaselessly to deny the bitter drops in her cup to tear back the slow the intangibly slow growth of a hot corrosive lichen eating into her heart On the morning of August 10th, Jane, while waiting in the court for Lassiter, heard a clear, ringing report of a rifle. It came from the grove, somewhere toward the corrals. Jane glanced out in alarm. The day was dull, windless, soundless. The leaves of the cottonwoods drooped, as if they had foretold the doom of Witherstein House, and were now ready to die and drop and decay. Never had Jane seen such shade. She pondered on the meaning of the report. Revolver shots had, of late, cracked from different parts of the grove, spies taking snapshots at Lassiter from a cowardly distance. But a rifle report meant more. Riders seldom used rifles. Judkins' inventors were the exceptions she called to mind. Had the men who hounded her hidden in her grove taken to the rifle to rid her of Lassiter, her last friend? It was probable, it was likely and she did not share his cool assumption that his death would never come at the hands of a mormon long had she expected it his constancy to her his singular reluctance to use the fatal skill for which he was famed both now plain to all mormons laid him open to inevitable assassination yet what charm against ambush and aim and enemy he seemed to bear about him No, Jane reflected, it was not charm, only a wonderful training of eye and ear, and sense of impending peril. Nevertheless, that could not forever avail against secret attack. That moment a rustling of leaves attracted her attention, then the familiar clinking accompaniment of a soft, slow, measured step, and Lassiter walked into the court. "'Jane, there's a fellow out there with a long gun,' he said, and, removing his sombrero, showed his head bound in a bloody scarf." "'I heard the shot. I knew it was meant for you. Let me see. You can't be badly injured?' "'I reckon not. But maybe it wasn't a close call. I'll sit here in this corner where nobody can see me from the grove.' He untied the scarf and removed it to show a long, bleeding furrow above his left temple. "'It's only a cut,' said Jane. "'But how it bleeds. Hold your scarf over it just a moment till I come back.' "'She ran into the house and returned with bandages, "'and while she bathed and dressed the wound, Lassiter talked. "'That fella had a good chance to get me, "'but he must have flinched when he pulled the trigger. "'As I dodged down, I saw him run through the trees. "'He had a rifle. "'I've been expectin' that kind of gunplay. "'I reckon now I'll have to keep a little closer hid myself. "'These fellers all seem to get chilly or shaky "'when they draw a bead on me, "'but one of them might just happen to hit me.' "'Won't you go away? Leave Cottonwoods, as I've begged you to, "'before someone does happen to hit you?' she appealed to him. "'I reckon I'll stay. "'But, oh, Lassiter, your blood will be on my hands. "'See here, lady, look at your hands now, right now. "'Aren't they fine, firm, white hands. "'Aren't they bloody now? Lassiter's blood. "'That's a queer thing to stain your beautiful hands. "'But if you could only see deeper, you'd find a redder color of blood.' "'Heart-color, Jane?' "'Oh, my friend.' "'No, Jane, I'm not one to quit when the game grows hot, no more than you. "'This game, though, is new to me, and I don't know the moves yet, "'else I wouldn't have stepped in front of that bullet.' "'Have you no desire to hunt the man who fired at you, to find him and and kill him?' "'Well, I reckon I haven't any great hankering for that.' "'Oh, the wonder of it! I knew, I prayed, I trusted.' Lassiter, I almost gave all myself to soften you to Mormons. "'Thank God, and thank you, my friend. "'But, selfish woman that I am, this is no great test. "'What's the life of one of those sneaking cowards to such a man as you? "'I think of your great hate toward him who— "'I think of your life's implacable purpose. "'Can it be—' "'Wait, listen,' he whispered. "'I hear a hoss.' "'He rose noiselessly, with his ear to the breeze.' Suddenly he pulled his sombrero down over his bandaged head, and swinging his gun sheath round in front, he stepped into the alcove. "'It's a hoss. comin' fast,' he added. Jane's listening ear soon caught a faint, rapid, rhythmic beat of hoofs. It came from the sage. It gave her a thrill that she was at a loss to understand. The sound rose stronger, louder. Then came a clear, sharp difference when the horse passed from the sage-trail to the hard-packed ground of the grove. It became a ringing run, swift in its bell-like clatterings, yet singular in longer pause than usual between the hoof-beats of a horse. "'It's Wrangle! It's Wrangle!' cried Jane Witherstein. "'I'd know him from a million horses!' Excitement and thrilling expectancy flooded out all Jane Witherstein's calm. A tight band closed round her breast as she saw the giant sorrel flit in reddish-brown flashes across the openings in the green." Then he was pounding down the lane, thundering into the court, crashing his great iron-shod hoofs on the stone flags. Wrangle it was, surely, but shaggy and wild-eyed and sage-streaked, with dust-caked lather staining his flanks. He reared and crashed down and plunged. The rider leaped off, threw the bridle, and held hard on a lasso looped round Wrangle's head and neck. Jane's heart sank as she tried to recognize Venters in the rider. Something familiar struck her in the lofty stature, in the sweep of powerful shoulders. But this bearded, long-haired, unkempt man, who wore ragged clothes patched with pieces of skin and boots that showed bare legs and feet, this dusty, dark, and wild rider could not possibly be Venter's. "'Whoa, wrangle old boy, come down. Easy now. So, 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 you're home, old boy.' Presently you can have a drink of water, you'll remember. In the voice, Jane knew the rider to be Venters. He tied Wrangle to the hitching rack and turned to the court. "'Oh, Burn! you wild man!' she exclaimed. "'Jane, Jane, it's good to see you. Hello, Lassiter. Yes, it's Venters.' Like rough iron, his hard hand crushed Jane's. In it she felt the difference she saw in him. Wild, rugged, unshorn, yet how splendid, He had gone away a boy, he had returned a man. He appeared taller, wider of shoulder, deeper chested, more powerfully built. But was that only her fancy? Had he always been a young giant? Was the change one of spirit? He might have been absent for years, proven by fire and steel, grown like Lassiter, strong and cool and sure. His eyes— were they keener, more flashing than before, met hers with clear, frank, warm regard, in which perplexity was not, nor discontent, nor pain. "'Look at me long as you like,' he said with a laugh. "'I'm not much to look at. "'And, Jane, neither you nor Lassiter can brag. "'You're paler than I ever saw you. "'Lassiter here, he wears a bloody bandage under his hat. "'That reminds me. "'Someone took a flying shot at me down in the sage. "'It made Wrangle run some.' Well, perhaps you've more to tell me than I've got to tell you. Briefly, in a few words, Jane outlined the circumstances of her undoing in the weeks of his absence. Under his beard and bronze, she saw his face whiten in terrible wrath. Lassiter, what held you back? No time in the long period of fiery moments and sudden shocks had Jane Witherstein ever beheld Lassiter as calm and serene and cool as then. "'Jane had gloom enough without my adding to it "'by shootin' up the village,' he said. "'As strange as Lassiter's coolness "'was Venter's curious, intense scrutiny of them both, "'and under it Jane felt a flaming tide wave "'from bosom to temples. "'Well, you're right,' he said, with slow pause. "'It surprises me a little, that's all.' "'Jane sensed then a slight alteration in Venter's, "'and what it was, in her own confusion, she could not tell.' It had always been her intention to acquaint him with the deceit she had fallen to in her zeal to move Lassiter. She did not mean to spare herself. Yet now, at the moment, before these riders, it was an impossibility to explain. Venters was speaking somewhat haltingly, without his former frankness. "'I found Oldring's hiding-place, and your red-herd. I I learned—I know—I'm sure there was a deal between Tull and Oldring.' He paused and shifted his position and his gaze. He looked as if he wanted to say something that he found beyond him. Sorrow and pity and shame seemed to contend for mastery over him. Then he raised himself and spoke with effort. "'Jane, I've cost you too much. You've almost ruined yourself for me. It was wrong, for I'm not worth it. I never deserved such friendship. Well, maybe it's not too late. You must give me up. Mind, I haven't changed. I'm just the same as ever.' I'll see Tull while I'm here, and tell him to his face. Byrne, it's too late, said Jane. I'll make him believe, cried Venters violently. You ask me to break our friendship? Yes, if you don't, I shall. Forever? Forever. Jane sighed. Another shadow had lengthened down the sage-slope to cast further darkness upon her. A melancholy sweetness pervaded her resignation. The boy who had left her had returned a man, nobler, stronger, one in whom she divined something unbending as steel. There might come a moment later when she would wonder why she had not fought against his will, but just now she yielded to it. She liked him as well, nay, more, she thought, only her emotions were deadened by the long, menacing wait for the bursting storm. Once before she had held out her hand to him, when she gave it, now she stretched it tremblingly forth in acceptance of the decree circumstance had laid upon them venters bowed over it kissed it pressed it hard and half stifled a sound very like a sob certain it was that when he raised his head tears glistened in his eyes some women have a hard lot he said huskily then he shook his powerful form and his rags lashed about him i'll say a few things to tull when i meet him Burn, you'll not draw on tall? Oh, that must not be. Promise me. I promise you this, he interrupted, in stern passion that thrilled while it terrorized her. If you say one more word for that plotter, I'll kill him as I would a mad coyote. Jane clasped her hands. Was this fire-eyed man the one whom she had once made as wax to her touch? Had Venters become Lassiter, and Lassiter Venters? I'll say no more, she faltered. "'Jane, Lessiter once called you blind,' said Venters. "'It must be true. "'But I won't upbraid you. "'Only don't rouse the devil in me by praying for Tull. "'I'll try to keep cool when I meet him. "'That's all. "'Now there's one more thing I want to ask of you. "'The last. "'I found a valley down in the pass. "'It's a wonderful place. "'I intend to stay there. "'It's so hidden I believe no one can find it. "'There's good water and browse and game.' "'I want to raise corn and stock. "'I need to take in supplies. "'Will you give them to me?' "'Assuredly. "'The more you take, the better you'll please me, "'and perhaps the less my my enemies will get.' "'Venters, I reckon you'll have trouble packing anything away,' "'put in Lassiter. "'I'll go at night.' "'Maybe that wouldn't be best. "'You'd sure be stopped. "'You'd better go early in the morning, "'say, just after dawn. "'That's the safest time to move round here.' "'Lassiter, I'll be hard to stop,' returned Venters, darkly. "'I reckon so.' "'Burn,' said Jane. "'Go first to the riders' quarters, and get yourself a complete outfit. "'You're a sight. "'Then help yourself to whatever else you need— "'burrows, packs, grain, dried fruits, and meat. "'You must take coffee and sugar and flour, all kinds of supplies. "'Don't forget corn and seeds. "'I remember how you used to starve.' please please take all you can pack away from here i'll make a bundle for you which you mustn't open till you're in your valley how i'd like to see it to judge by you and wrangle how wild it must be jane walked down into the outer court and approached the sorrel upstarting he laid back his ears and eyed her wrangle dear old wrangle she said and put a caressing hand on his matted mane oh he's wild but he knows me "'Burn, can he run as fast as ever?' "'Run? Jane, he's done sixty miles since last night at dark, "'and I could make him kill Black Star right now in a ten-mile race.' "'He never could,' protested Jane. "'He couldn't even if he was fresh.' "'I reckon maybe the best hoss'll prove himself yet,' said Lassiter. "'And, Jane, if it ever comes to that race, I'd like you to be on Wrangle.' "'I'd like that, too,' rejoined Venters.' "'But, Jane, maybe Lassiter's hint is extreme. "'Bad as your prospects are, "'you'll surely never come to the running point.' "'Who knows?' she replied, with mournful smile. "'No, no, Jane, it can't be so bad as all that. "'Soon as I see Tull, there'll be a change in your fortunes. "'I'll hurry down to the village. "'Now don't worry.' "'Jane retired to the seclusion of her room. "'Lassiter's subtle forecasting of disaster, "'Venter's forced optimism.' Neither remained in mind. Material loss weighed nothing in the balance with other losses she was sustaining. She wondered dully at her sitting there, hands folded listlessly, with a kind of numb deadness to the passing of time and the passing of her riches. She thought of Venter's friendship. She had not lost that, but she had lost him. Lassiter's friendship, that was more than love. It would endure, but soon he, too, would be gone." Little Fay slept dreamlessly upon the bed, her golden curls streaming over the pillow. Jane had the child's worship. Would she lose that, too? And if she did, what then would be left? Conscience thundered at her that there was left her religion. Conscience thundered that she should be grateful on her knees for this baptism of fire, that through misfortune, sacrifice, and suffering her soul might be fused pure gold. But the old, spontaneous, rapturous spirit no more exalted her. She wanted to be a woman, not a martyr. Like the saint of old who mortified his flesh, Jane Witherstein had in her the temper for heroic martyrdom, if by sacrificing herself she could save the souls of others. But here the damnable verdict blistered her that the more she sacrificed herself, the blacker grew the souls of her churchmen. There was something terribly wrong with her soul, something terribly wrong with her churchmen and her religion." In the whirling gulf of her thought there was yet one shining light to guide her, to sustain her in her hope, and it was that, despite her errors and her frailties and her blindness, she had one absolute and unfaltering hold on ultimate and supreme justice. That was love. Love your enemies as yourself was a divine word, entirely free from any church or creed. Jane's meditations were disturbed by Lassiter's soft, tinkling step in the court. "'Always he wore the clinking spurs. "'Always he was in readiness to ride. "'She passed out and called him into the huge, dim hall. "'I think you'll be safer here. "'The court is too open,' she said. "'I reckon,' replied Lassiter, "'And it's cooler here. "'The day's sure muggy. "'Well, I went down to the village with Venters.' "'Already? Where is he?' "'Queried Jane, in quick amaze.' he's at the corrals blake's helping him get the burrows and packs ready that blake is a good fellow did did burn meet tall i guess he did answered lassiter and he laughed dryly tell me oh you exasperate me you're so cool so calm for heaven's sake tell me what happened first time i've been in the village for weeks went on lassiter mildly "'I reckon there ain't been more of a show for a long time, "'me and Venters walkin' down the road. "'It was funny. "'I ain't sayin' anybody was particularly glad to see us. "'I'm not much thought of hereabouts. "'And Venters, he sure looks like what you called him, a wild man. "'Well, there was some runnin' of folks before we got to the stores. "'Then everybody vamoosed except some surprised rustlers in front of a saloon. "'Venters went right in the stores and saloons, and of course I went along.' I don't know which tickled me the most, the actions of many fellers we met or Venters nerve. Jane, I was downright glad to be along. You see, that sort of thing is my element, and I've been away from it for a spell. But we didn't find tull in one of them places. Some gentile feller at last told Venters he'd find tull in that long building next to Parson's store. It's a kind of meeting room, and sure enough, when we peeped in, it was half full of men. "'Venters yelled, "'Don't anybody pull guns, we ain't come for that.' "'Then he tramped in, and I was some put to keep alongside him. "'There was a hard, scraping sound of feet, a loud cry, and then some whispering, "'and after that stillness you could cut with a knife. "'Tull was there, and that fat party who once tried to throw a gun on me, "'and other important-looking men, and that little frog-legged feller "'who was with Tull the day I rode in here. "'I wish you could have seen their faces, especially Tull's and the fat parties.' "'but there ain't no use of me tryin' to tell you how they looked. "'Well, Venters and I stood there in the middle of the room "'with that batch of men all in front of us, "'and not a blamed one of them winked an eyelash or moved a finger. "'It was natural, of course, for me to notice many of them packed guns. "'That's a way of mine, first noticing them things.' "'Venters spoke up, and his voice sort of chilled and cut, "'and he told Tull he had a few things to say.' Here Lassiter paused while he turned his sombrero round and round, in his familiar habit, and his eyes had the look of a man seeing over again some thrilling spectacle, and under his red bronze there was strange animation. Like a shot, then, Venters told Tull that the friendship between you and him was all over, and he was leaving your place. He said you'd both of you broken off in the hope of propitiating your people, but you hadn't changed your mind otherwise, and never would. Next he spoke up for you. "'I ain't going to tell you what he said. "'Only no other woman who ever lived had such tribute. "'You had a champion, Jane, "'and never fear that those thick-skulled men don't know you now. "'It couldn't be otherwise. "'He spoke the ringing, lightning truth. "'Then he accused Tull of the underhand, miserable robbery of a helpless woman. "'He told Tull where the red herd was, "'of a deal made with Aldring, that Jerry Card had made the deal. "'I thought Tull was going to drop.' "'And that little frog-legged cuss, he looked some limp and white. "'But Venter's voice would have kept anybody's legs from buckling. "'I was stiff myself. "'He went on and called Tull, "'called him every bad name ever known to a rider, and then some. "'He cursed Tull. "'I never hear a man get such a cursin'. "'He laughed in scorn at the idea of Tull being a minister.' HE SAID TULL AND A FEW MORE DOGS OF HELL BUILDED THEIR EMPIRE OUT OF THE HEARTS OF SUCH INNOCENT AND GOD-FEARING WOMEN AS JANE WITHERSTEEN. HE CALLED TULL A BINDER OF WOMEN, A CALLOUS BEAST WHO HID BEHIND A MOCK MANTLE OF RIGHTEOUSNESS, AND THE LAST AND LOWEST COWARD ON THE FACE OF THE EARTH. TO prey ON WEAK WOMEN THROUGH THEIR RELIGION, THAT WAS THE LAST UNSPEAKABLE CRIME. THEN HE FINISHED, AND BY THIS TIME HE'D ALMOST LOST HIS VOICE. BUT HIS WHISPER WAS ENOUGH. "'Tull,' he said. "'She begged me not to draw on you to-day. "'She would pray for you if you burned her at the stake. "'But listen, I swear if you and I ever come face to face again, I'll kill you.' "'We backed out of the door then and up the road. "'But nobody followed us.' "'Jane found herself weeping passionately. "'She had not been conscious of it till Lassiter ended his story, "'and she experienced exquisite pain and relief in shedding tears.' Long had her eyes been dry, her grief deep. Long had her emotions been dumb. Lassiter's story put her back on the rack. The appalling nature of Venter's act and speech had no parallel as an outrage. It was worse than bloodshed. Men like Tull had been shot, but had one ever been so terribly denounced in public? Overmounting her horror, an uncontrollable, quivering passion shook her very soul. It was sheer human glory in the deed of a fearless man. It was hot, primitive instinct to live, to fight. It was a kind of mad-joy-inventor in chivalry. It was close to the wrath that had first shaken her in the beginning of this war waged upon her. "'Well, well, Jane, don't take it that way,' said Lassiter, in evident distress. "'I had to tell you. There's some things a feller just can't keep. It's strange you give up on hearing that, when all this long time you've been the gamest woman I ever seen.' "'But I don't know women. "'Maybe there's reason for you to cry. "'I know this. "'Nothing ever rang in my soul "'and so filled it as what Venters did. "'I'd like to have done it, "'but I'm only good for throwing a gun, "'and it seems you hate that. "'Well, I'll be going now.' "'Where?' "'Venters took Wrangle to the stable. "'The sorrel shy a shoe, "'and I've got to help hold the big devil "'and put on another. "'Tell Burn to come for the pack I want to give him, "'and... "'And to say good-bye,' called Jane, as Lassiter went out. "'Jane passed the rest of that day in a vain endeavor to decide what and what not to put in the pack for Venters. "'This task was the last she would ever perform for him, and the gifts were the last she would ever make him. "'So she picked and chose and rejected, and chose again, and often paused in sad reverie, "'and began again, till at length she filled the pack.' It was about sunset, and she and Fay had finished supper, and were sitting in the court, when Venter's quick steps rang on the stones. She scarcely knew him, for he had changed the tattered garments, and she missed the dark beard and long hair. Still he was not the Venter's of old. As he came up the steps she felt herself pointing to the pack, and heard herself speaking words that were meaningless to her. He said good-bye, he kissed her, released her, and turned away. His tall figure blurred in her sight, grew dim through dark, streaked vision, and then he vanished. Twilight fell around Witherstein House, and dusk and night. Little Fay slept, but Jane lay with strained, aching eyes. She heard the wind moaning in the cottonwoods, and mice squeaking in the walls. The night was interminably long, yet she prayed to hold back the dawn. What would another day bring forth? The blackness of her room seemed blacker for the sad, entering gray of morning light. She heard the chirp of awakening birds, and fancied she caught a faint clatter of hoofs. Then low, dull, distant, throbbed a heavy gunshot. She had expected it, was waiting for it. Nevertheless, an electric shock checked her heart, froze the very living fiber of her bones. That vice-like hold on her faculties apparently did not relax for a long time. "'and it was a voice under her window that released her. "'Jane, Jane,' softly called Lassiter. "'She answered somehow. "'It's all right. Venters got away. "'I thought maybe you'd heard that shot, and I was worried some. "'What was it? Who fired?' "'Well, some fool feller tried to stop Venters out there in the sage, "'and he only stopped lead. "'I think it'll be all right.' "'I haven't seen or heard of any other fellows round. "'Venters'll go through safe. "'And, Jane, I've got Bell saddled, "'and I'm going to trail Venters. "'Mind, I won't show myself "'unless he falls foul of somebody and needs me. "'I want to see if this place where he's goin' is safe for him. "'He says nobody can track him there. "'I never seen the place yet I couldn't track a man to. "'Now, Jane, you stay indoors while I'm gone "'and keep close watch on Fay, will you?' "'Yes. Oh, yes.' "'And another thing, Jane,' he continued, then paused for long. "'Another thing, if you ain't here when I come back, if you're gone, don't fear, I'll trail you. I'll find you out.' "'My dear Lassiter, where could I be gone, as you put it?' asked Jane, in curious surprise. "'I reckon you might be somewhere, maybe tied in an old barn, or corralled in some gulch, or chained in a cave. Millie Ern was, till she give in.' "'Maybe that's news to you. "'Well, if you're gone, I'll hunt for you.' "'No, Lassiter,' she replied, sadly and low. "'If I'm gone, just forget the unhappy woman "'whose blinded, selfish deceit you repaid with kindness and love.' "'She heard a deep, muttering curse under his breath, "'and then the silvery tinkling of his spurs as he moved away. "'Jane entered upon the duties of that day with a settled, gloomy calm.' Disaster hung in the dark clouds, in the shade, in the humid west wind. Blake, when he reported, appeared without his usual cheer, and Jerd wore a harassed look of a worn and worried man. And when Judkins put in appearance, riding a lame horse, and dismounted with the cramp of a rider, his dust-covered figure and his darkly grim, almost dazed expression told Jane of dire calamity. She had no need of words. "'Miss Witherstein,' "'I have to report loss of the white-herd,' said Judkins hoarsely. "'Come, sit down. You look played out,' replied Jane solicitously. She brought him brandy and food, and while he partook of refreshments, of which he appeared badly in need, she asked no questions. "'No one rider could have done more, Miss Withersteen. he went on presently. "'Judkins, don't be distressed. You've done more than any other rider.' "'I've long expected to lose the white herd. "'It's no surprise. "'It's in line with other things that are happening. "'I'm grateful for your service.' "'Miss Witherstein, I knew how you'd take it. "'But if anything, that makes it harder to tell. "'You see, a feller wants to do so much for you, "'and I'd got fond of my job. "'We led the herd a ways off to the north of the break in the valley. "'There was a big level and pools of water and tip-top brows, "'But the cattle was in a high, nervous condition.' Wild, as wild as antelope. You see, they'd been so scared they never slept. I ain't a-goin' to tell you of the many tricks that were pulled off out there in the sage. But there wasn't a day for weeks that the herd didn't get started to run. We allus managed to ride em close, and drive em back, and keep em bunched. Honest, Miss Withersteen, them steers was thin. They was thin when water and grass was everywhere. Thin at this season. That'll tell you how your steers was pestered. "'For instance, one night a strange runnin' streak of fire "'run right through the herd. "'That streak was a coyote with an oiled and blazoned tail. "'For I shot it and found out. "'We had hell with the herd that night, "'and if the sage and grass hadn't been wet, "'we, hosses, steers and all, would have burned up. "'But I said I wasn't going to tell you any of the tricks. "'Strange now, Miss Witherstein, when the stampede did come, "'it was from natural cause, just a whirlin' devil of dust.' You've seen the like often. And this wasn't no big whirl, for the dust was mostly settled. It had dried out in a little swale, and ordinarily no steer would ever have run for it. But the herd was nervous and wild. And just as Lassiter said, when that bunch of white steers got to movin', they was as bad as buffalo. I've seen some buffalo stampedes back in Nebraska, and this bolt of the steers was the same kind. I tried to mill the herd just as Lassiter did, but I wasn't equal to it, Miss Witherstein. I don't believe the rider lives who could have turned that herd. We kept along of the herd for miles, and more'n one of my boys tried to get the steers a millin'. It wasn't no use. We got off level ground, goin' down, and then the steers ran somethin' fierce. We left the little gullies and washes level full of dead steers. Finally I saw the herd was makin' to pass a kind of low pocket between ridges. There was a hog back, as we used to call em a pile of rocks sticking up, and I saw the herd was going to split round it, or swing out to the left. And I wanted em to go to the right, so maybe we'd be able to drive em into the pocket. So, with all my boys except three, I rode hard to turn the herd a little to the right. We couldn't budge em. They went on and split round the rocks, and the most of them was turned sharp to the left by a deep wash we hadn't seen, had no chance to see. The other three boys, Jimmy Vale, Joe Willis, and that little Cairns boy, a nervy kid, they, with Cairns leadin', tried to buck that herd round to the pocket. It was a wild fool idea. I couldn't do nothin'. The boys got hemmed in between the steers and the wash that they hadn't no chance to see either. Vale and Willis was run down right before our eyes. And Cairns, who rode a fine hoss, he did some ridin' I never seen equaled. And would have beat the steers if there had been any room to run in. I was high up and could see how the steers kept spillin' by twos and threes over into the wash. Cairns put his hoss to a place that was too wide for any hoss, and broke his neck and the hosses too. We found that out after, and as for Vale and Willis, two thousand steers ran over the poor boys. There wasn't much left to pack home for burying. And Miss Witherstein, that all happened yesterday, "'and I believe if the white herd "'didn't run over the wall of the pass, "'it's runnin' yet. "'On the morning of the second day "'after Judkin's recital, "'during which time Jane remained indoors, "'a prey to regret and sorrow for the boy riders, "'and a new and now strangely insistent fear "'for her own person, "'she again heard what she had missed "'more than she dared honestly confess, "'the soft, jingling step of Lassiter. "'Almost overwhelming relief surged through her, "'a feeling as akin to joy as any she could have been capable of "'in those gloomy hours of shadow, "'and one that suddenly stunned her "'with the significance of what Lassiter had come to mean to her. "'She had begged him, for his own sake, to leave Cottonwoods. "'She might yet beg that, if her weakening courage "'permitted her to dare absolute loneliness and helplessness, "'but she realized now that if she were left alone "'her life would become one long, hideous nightmare.' When his soft steps clinked into the hall, in answer to her greeting, and his tall, black-garbed form filled the door, she felt an inexpressible sense of immediate safety. In his presence she lost her fear of the dim passageways of Witherstein House, and of every sound. Always it had been that when he entered the court or the hall she had experienced a distinctly sickening but gradually lessening shock at sight of the huge black gun swinging at his sides. This time the sickening shock again visited her. It was, however, because a revealing flash of thought told her that it was not alone Lassiter who was thrillingly welcome, but also his fatal weapons. They meant so much. How she had fallen, how broken and spiritless must she be, to have still the same old horror of Lassiter's guns and his name, yet feel somehow a cold, shrinking protection in their law and might and use. "'Did you trail Venters, find his wonderful valley?' she asked eagerly. "'Yes, and I reckon it's sure a wonderful place.' "'Is he safe there?' "'That's been bothering me some. "'I tracked him, and part of the trail was the hardest I ever tackled. "'Maybe there's a rustler or somebody in this country "'who's as good at tracking as I am. "'If that's so, Venters ain't safe.' "'Well, tell me all about Byrne and his valley.' To Jane's surprise Lassiter showed disinclination for further talk about his trip. He appeared to be extremely fatigued. Jane reflected that one hundred and twenty miles, with probably a great deal of climbing on foot, all in three days, was enough to tire any rider. Moreover, it presently developed that Lassiter had returned in a mood of singular sadness and preoccupation. She put it down to a moodiness over the loss of her white-herd and the now precarious condition of her fortune several days passed and as nothing happened jane's spirits began to brighten once in her musings she thought that this tendency of hers to rebound was as sad as it was futile meanwhile she had resumed her walks through the grove with little fay one morning she went as far as the sage she had not seen the slope since the beginning of the rains and now it bloomed a rich deep purple there was a high wind blowing and the sage tossed and waved and colored beautifully from light to dark Clouds scudded across the sky, and their shadows sailed darkly down the sunny slope. Upon her return toward the house, she went by the lane to the stables, and she had scarcely entered the great open space with its corrals and sheds, when she saw Lassiter hurriedly approaching. Fay broke from her, and, running to a corral fence, began to pat and pull the long, hanging ears of a drowsy burrow. One look at Lassiter armed her for a blow. "'Without a word he led her across the wide yard to the rise of the ground upon which the stable stood. "'Jane, look,' he said, and pointed to the ground. "'Jane glanced down, and again, and upon steadier vision made out splotches of blood on the stones, "'and broad, smooth marks in the dust, leading out toward the sage. "'What made these?' she asked. I reckon somebody has dragged dead or wounded men out to where there was hosses in the sage. Dead or wounded men? I reckon. Jane, are you strong? Can you bear up? His hands were gently holding hers, and his eyes. Suddenly she could no longer look into them. Strong? she echoed, trembling. I—I will be— up on the stone-flag drive, nicked with the marks made by the iron shod hoofs of her racers, Lassiter led her, his grasp ever growing firmer. "'Where's Blake? And—and and Jerd?' she asked, haltingly. "'I don't know where Jerd is—bolted, most likely,' replied Lassiter, as he took her through the stone door. "'But Blake—poor Blake—he's gone forever. Be prepared, Jane.' With a cold prickling of her skin, with a queer thrumming in her ears, with fixed and staring eyes, Jane saw a gun lying at her feet, with chamber swung and empty, and discharged shells scattered near. Outstretched upon the stable floor lay Blake, ghastly white, dead, one hand clutching a gun, and the other twisted in his bloody blouse. "'Whoever the thieves were, whether your people or rustlers, Blake killed some of them,' said Lassiter." "'Thieves?' whispered Jane. "'I reckon. Hoss-thieves. Look.' Lassiter waved his hand toward the stalls. The first stall, Belle's stall, was empty. All the stalls were empty. No racer whinnied and stamped greeting to her. Night was gone. Black Star was gone. End of chapter 15